0: If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. Okay, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fitness Education Online podcast. I am super excited because we've got a fellow Sydney cider on the line this week. A little bit about this person. He's been in the industry since 2003 which at the time of recording this is about 18 years. Now, I think the average, average um, time of personal trainers in the industry is less than 18 months. So for this person to do it in 18 years, that's pretty cool. There's there's probably people listening to this that weren't even born in, in 2003 He's been in the industry that long. He's the current owner of Vision Personal Training at Macquarie Park, and he's owned that facility for 14 years. So there's a few really impressive things there. To own a fitness facility in 14 years in a um, space as competitive as Sydney is very impressive. Um, And also the fact that he's gone from PT to owner in in three or four years is impressive as well. But without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Mr. Blake Eastwood. Blake, how are you?
1: I'm good, Jonah. How are you?
0: Yes, I'm awesome. Uh, Blake, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have yep, you got
1: easy one? one. Mate, for sure. I've got, um, while most are dreaming of success, winners wake up and achieve it. Yes. Definitely lovely. something I live by.
0: What does that mean to, uh, to you, Blake?
1: Well, very much a, a morning person to start with. So um, obviously the role as a trainer, you know, we're, we're in here at 5 a.m., each day um, and I personally prefer to take a lot of my own training first thing in the morning um, so I guess if you're sitting around in bed waiting oh should I get up now or should I do this later um, you're kind of already behind the eight ball so I guess the yeah, old get up and attack the day um, get things done is yeah, so got to have the energy first thing in the morning and roll with it from there
0: love it 100% I'm a huge fan myself you know I don't do any hands-on training anymore um, but when I did, huge morning person as well, and even now, you know, like I'll still wake up at five. I'll read for forty-five minutes. I'll go and work out for for an hour. I'll come back and do um, some blog writing or something like that. By nine a.m., I feel like I've done more than most people achieve in their day, you know. And then obviously like you continue so. it on. But you can sort of—it's um, yeah. the best way to start the day. So. Certainly
1: is. Yeah, get it, get out and get it done. So,
0: yes. All right. So, Blake, let's get into it. I'm going to hand it over to you from here. I think there's two really cool stories there. I think the first cool story is, hey, you know, your your first job in the industry was Vision, uh, and then within four years you you opened the studio. So let's start there. And even let's start where you want to start, but give us a, a yep. bit of background. You know, why did you start in the industry? Why did you pick Vision? Was it your first ever job? Was it Macca's and then Vision? Like, t- tell us that story there, and then we might stop once you, you, you've taken over that franchise, and then we'll talk about how to be a successful owner.
1: Beautiful, not a problem. So, yes, I actually uh, finished high school back in 1998, so I'm almost 41 years old now. Um, One thing led to another, and within six months of finishing HSC, I was actually a dealer at the Star Casino. Woo. um yeah so
0: you said star casino you would like dealer i was like okay this, yeah. this story <laughs> well,
1: uh, croupier is a technical term but some people don't know what that is but when you say dealer some people look just as worried so yeah i found myself dealing cards and spinning roulette balls and all those things um from '99 through to actually 2004, so I actually overlapped the two jobs, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, always had a passion for health and fitness. Um, didn't get into the uni course that I wanted to, which was going to be sports science. So started looking at some other avenues through private colleges and tapes and things. And um, anyway, one thing led to another with the casino, and I was um, working rotating shifts, of course, so night shift and morning shift. And at the age of you know 19 through to 23. I probably should have been out a little bit more with my mates partying and stuff instead of I was working Saturday nights. But what happened there for a little while um, towards the end of the casino was that I managed to get a permanent shift from Monday to Thursday. Um, So I thought this is the life. You know, I've got every Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Um, So it was a cruisy job, great people there. Um, So I had that for about a year from 2002 to 2003. And then um, a few things changed with the casino and they put us back onto a rotation shift. And I kind of made the comment – no, I can't go back to working every Saturday night. It's enough is enough. So that triggered me, I guess, to follow my passion again, to work out how do I get into this fitness industry. So um, back then, like I said, 2003, you only needed Certificate 3 to be a personal trainer. Um, So I uh, went and did that through a a college, got my qualification. um, And then funny story, actually, I was out at Caring Bar, which is out near Cronulla in the, the Sutherland Shire there, getting a massage for my birthday. And chatting away to the, the masseuse. and she's like, "Oh, what are you up to today?" And I said, oh, "I've just got to go home. I'm, you know, currently studying Certificate Three by correspondence because I was still working full time at the casino." And she's like, "Oh, have you heard of a place called Vision Personal Training?" And I was like, "Nah," like I said. I-, I lived in the St George area, so I'm not a-, a full Shire boy. She said, "Oh, you should go down and talk to the owner down there. There's a couple of guys own it called Andrew Simmons, and back then it was Jeff Jowett as well." Um, and I said, "Oh." and tell them that's all you hear about. It's the best thing you want to work at Vision. I thought, oh, okay. So sure enough, I uh, sent a little email off to Vision. And at the time, um, the guys were actually overseas looking into franchising. Okay. So when I got back, I went in, had the chat. And um, that was September 2003.
0: Because most people listening to this will probably know Vision is there's thousands of them all over um, the world, I guess. Back yep. then, there was one in Cronulla. Is that right?
1: Exactly right. Yeah, so Carrying Bar, that's still there today. That's our head office now, and it is the studio. But yeah, back in 2003, um, it was actually called Vision Personal Fitness Services as well. So there's a little bit of a name change later on, but that was the one and only business. Uh, there was no franchising,
0: no and studios anymore. there were a lot of studios in general around in 2003, right? Would have been, you know, there's a lot of Fitness First, there's a lot of you yep. know um, uh, pools and aquatic centers but it's not like now where there's you know there's at 45 here and then someone at uh, crossfit there and then someone's opened up their own studio there like there would have 100%. been a few, yeah. you
1: yeah now a few there's and cool. far between yeah you had your big yeah. commercial ones of course and like i said still nowhere near as many as there are today hmm. um and I, I guess that's why vision um wasn't on my radar i hadn't heard of them um like i said i wasn't a, a local to that area either so, um, yeah, like I said, went in there, met with the guys, um, finalized my qualification during the, the process with them as well. Um, and then, yeah, so that was September 2003. I started there as a trainer. Um, like I said, I, I actually overlapped the, the two jobs for a while. So I, some of you may know starting out in the fitness industry mm-hmm. can be a little bit hard from an income point of view when you're still building up your database. You know, if you are doing clients or whether you're doing group training stuff um it can feel like you're kind of chasing the, the dollar so um i was fortunate enough that i, I dropped the casino to casual so I, I just worked there on sundays um and then i'd be working through the week building up my database and learning the ropes um with vision and then over time it was about a year or so i overlapped the two jobs and then um i just had to do one shift per month as a minimum to keep active with the casino and then i think the following june i decided that i would comfortable i was earning what i wanted to earn and i Definitely got myself, I guess, embroiled in the, uh, the vision family and I was loving it. So ditched the casino cool. and here I am.
0: Let's spend a minute there because I think that's yep. even a good message for young trainers. So would you recommend that, Blake? Not so much, right, I got my qualifications, quit my job and, and go all in. Or is it more like, right, quit my qualifications, let me keep this job here, let me see how I can work my way in. Okay, let me keep the full-time job for now and just work after work. All right, now I'm, I'm fooled out there, let me take a couple of days off work. What advice could you give a, a young trainer in that situation?
1: It's uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a tough one. I'll, I'll give you, I guess, pros and cons for both because I've mm. seen both sides of the fence there. So the issue with um, still working another job and depending on how many hours you're putting into another job, it's going to slow down
0: mm. how quickly you
1: can grow your clients with personal training because, for example, if I've got a, a new client comes into my business and they say I want to train every Monday, Wednesday, if you're my newest trainer, I would give them to you. But if you're working your other job, you're going to miss out. So it definitely slows down your growth. Um, So that's a con, you know, but the pro is obviously it's important that you can look after yourself, you know, from a uh, financial point of view. So if if it means you need to balance some work over there to have that much income and then balance obviously some personal training as well, and we want to see that there's there's going to be some growth phasing in, um, it can work for you. But um, in saying that as well, like I said, on the flip side, um, I've had just as many trainers that have ditched their other work and they've gone all in with personal training. And I think that provides a real big hurt um, financially that they need to grow their database. They need clients. They need to earn more. So I've found over the years that those people are hungrier. Um, They're wanting to get out there, chase the clients, ask for referrals, you know, all those different pillars that we have um, to be able to gain new clients. So, yeah, it depends how you go. I think it's just something you've got to communicate with the owner or the manager of the the studio. Um, If it can work for both of them, that's a win. Um, cause I'd I'd hate nothing more to see an awesome trainer come in but financially they're not able to hold themselves and they ditch their other job and then they actually leave the industry you know that's a, that's a huge loss um, for me as an owner for me to see someone's potential in our industry and as well for them you know they had a, hopefully every desire to grow into be a trainer and then um, you know crash and burn like you said six months, nine months whatever the life expectancy is so yeah, it, could, it could work both ways so hopefully depending on where you're at you can kind of figure out what way would suit you guys
0: Yes, good answer. Awesome. All right, cool. So then tell us about that, Blake. You're obviously pretty successful, right, because you've gone in four years just working as a trainer to then opening up your own studio. Tell us about what happened in those four years there.
1: Yeah, so straight after almost exactly one year after I'd been at Carrying Bar at Vision, um, we opened up or they opened up their first ever franchise at Randwick. Okay, so that was July 2004. So here I am. I had like 14 or 15 trainers working beside me. Really wow, big.
0: Uh, carry, uh, was that how many were
1: at carrying bar? Yeah, there was 800 sessions per week getting delivered out there. Wow. Was, yeah, absolute monster. So, yeah, 800 and something personal training sessions every week. Um, yeah, I was one of 15 trainers or so, and all these guys were massive units. I was like 65 <laughs> kilos. So I quickly got the nickname Sticks. <laughs> Back in the day, but uh, we'll get to that along the journey. But so the thing there, but like I said the following July, I found people started opening up franchises. You know, at this stage, I was 24 years old and I didn't really know what a franchise was, but the guys I'd been working beside, you know, opening up Ramwick, Mossman, Bondi, so I started seeing all these people grow and develop. And I thought, you know what? I've been working beside these guys for, you know, one year, two years, three years. Um, I'm on the same path as them, I'm learning the same systems um it, they seem like they've taken a really good jump so yeah from 2003 through till 2006 um i kind of developed into a bit of a, a senior trainer and then 2006 i was given the management role at um the carrying bar studio still so that was awesome for me it gave me an opportunity to run the business but not my own business so i guess from a risk point of view financially it wasn't my business which may suffer if i stuff something up and of course, I would stuff something up as a, a new manager. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with Andrew Simmons there, I was able to, I guess, be guided throughout um, those nine or 12 months or so I was in the management role. Um, and then during that process is when I opened up the franchise at North Ryde originally in 2007. So, okay.
0: so let me get my head around this. Was that always the plan? Once you saw these people franchising, you were like, right, that's what I want to do. What's the next step? I've got to be a manager. Cool. Let me go all in and be that manager and be really good there. Was it the goal or did it just happen like that? Uh,
1: when I first started with Vision, it definitely wasn't the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was just turned 23. I probably didn't know what a franchise was apart from McDonald's. Yeah. Um, and like I said it, it wasn't really a thing, it was on the tables at Vision to be getting into franchising. So, but it, I guess um, I'm very much a, a follower. You know, I like to be inspired by what I see other people do, and success mm-hmm. leaves clues. So, for me to be working, like I said, beside some of those trainers to then see them go and open their franchise and what they were achieving, um, it soon became my goal. You know, i to keep in contact with them and ask them about their process, what do I need to do now to follow in your footsteps? Um, and like you said, that progression um, was being able to manage the studio first to get used to the business side of things. Obviously, managing team is a huge part of that. Um, and then, I guess, just connecting with every single client, not so much just your own database. And, um, okay. yeah, so I, I learned those roles and then, like I said, took on the franchise after that.
0: Were you still – when you were the manager of Vision Carrying Bar, were yep. you still running your own PT sessions as well or that was gone and it was just managing?
1: No, I did as well. So before I was managing, I was averaging like 35 to 40 hours a week or so of personal training as just a full-time trainer. Um, And then the way the management was set up back then is that you had to do no more than 15 hours of personal training. Um, And then obviously the rest of your time was running the business and managing the team. So that's a good question. That was actually one of the harder things. You know, you you develop three or four years' worth of relationships with some clients and then have to turn around and say, hey, unfortunately I've got to go from 40 hours a week down to 15 and the way my 15 hours is looking you're not going to be able to fit in with your schedule so wow. that, that was a bit of a tough talk to be honest with you trying to transition some of those people over to some of the other trainers but um again there was a system and a process in place that they were looked after i was still there and um hopefully it all went fairly smoothly
0: Love it. So. Yes. all right cool all right from there opened up your own um studio how was that smooth sailing from the start were there hiccups what what can you tell us about that? If someone's just opened up or they've been in a year or two, yep. tell us your story and if we can sort of relate that and be like, all right, hey, if you still want to be around in 15 years' time, these are the things you've got to do right or these are the things that are going to happen and you've got to prepare for. What? Yep. Tell us your story and we'll, we'll go from there.
1: Mate, I think the, the hardest thing, like I said, was walking out of a, a studio doing 800 personal training sessions a week going yeah. into somewhere that was doing eight personal training sessions you know the vibe the bars the energy that we all thrive on on that gym floor um you you don't have that in a a brand new studio you know i had two trainers i opened up with um so two new guys that i interviewed and brought into the business with me um and it's very quiet i wouldn't say it was lonely because um obviously having the network around like i was the 11th studio in our network to open up so there was already 10 other franchises so a lot of communication with those guys about how they found it um, definitely helped in the early stages and the support from head office was amazing. Um, but yeah, I think just the, the buzz, the feel inside the studio was the hardest part. So um, you, you seem like you've got so much time on your hands. You're like, oh, you know, I'm usually training people, but now I've got you know 15 hours in my day here to be able to go and talk to people or try and you know spruik a bit of business. Um, and I've always been based in corporate parks with my studio, so trying to get into corporates and um, chatting with receptionists and all that stuff. So um, the, the fit out, the process itself, like the going through council, finding a site, um, it, it was a good seven or eight month journey. But it, in all honesty, it was fairly smooth. Um, I was fortunate in the fact that my first site I moved into was already a, a gym that had closed down so i didn't need to get a da or anything through council yeah. um so that saves a, a fair bit of time and money you know i wasn't looking at having to put in showers or change rooms or rubber flooring and all that stuff i just had to make it look like a vision franchise so a bit of paint um get the equipment in there so that, that was pretty good um uh, the market back then was fairly good like there was quite a few options i guess as a franchise you kind of find your territory so you're mm-hmm. bordered by you know certain streets and boundaries and then you just go for whatever you can find in there so yeah the, the process itself was smooth um, i guess jumping between I was still working at carrying bar and then having to oh, drive okay. across the other side of sydney to you know north ride macquarie park to meet with people then back to carrying bar was um, a little bit time consuming and then you know obviously the time came that i just had to stop with carrying bar and i had the last month or two just being um over here in north ride area just trying to get things set up so Gotcha. wasn't and too bad, but in hindsight, you look back and go, you know what, you sit there and go, in one year's time, two years' time, is this still going to stress me out? You think it's probably not, so it's, it's not that big a thing. Once you get the doors open, you just kind of roll from there.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think a few good points there. I think that you, you got to make the call if you want to be in there for the long game. It's like, hey, if I want to own this studio yep. for 20 years, look, I'm getting, the first two years are going to be tough. You know, I'm going to do a lot of driving. I'm going to do a lot of early mornings and late nights or whatever, but it's what I've got to do at the start to be successful in 20 years' time. And one of my favorite quotes, I can't remember it exactly, but it's something along the lines of successful people are successful because they do the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do. And when I heard that quote, I was like, tell tell me what these these things are these unsuccessful people don't want to do, so I don't do it. And then it's like, well, it's just the same things that nobody wants to do, you know? Nobody wants to be driving <laughs> yep. all the way every day from Karen Bar to North Ride. Um, and a lot of people will give up and won't do in that. But the people that yep. push through are the ones that are successful in 15, 20 years' time. So I think that's yep. a, a good point there. Um Definitely. To get profitable, Blake, how long, how long was that journey there? So I was like, how long was... Uh, to, to get profitable. So, you, you know, you obviously... You, um, you you open the studio. You got the equipment. Um, you know, probably yep. some expenses in opening up. How long until you were, you were able to sort of be in the green? Let's take a quick break. right
1: now for me it was about 15 months um it's probably a bit of a a slower start to be honest i was um yeah i guess slow out of the blocks with different things so for me personally going out and you know facing businesses cold like walking into businesses Mm -hmm. trying to get contacts was not my strength um you know if I'm face to face within my environment, I'm very comfortable. I can talk all day, but yeah, walking into, like I said, someone's office and just saying, Hey, you know, I'm the new owner of vision that that's something I'm not that strong with. So I guess I relied on different forms of marketing, like through our websites, letterbox drops, newspaper ads and things back then when people had newspapers. Mm. Um, so that, that was probably more of an avenue, but yeah, all in all, it was about 15, just under 15 months before we were um, yeah, in the green, like you said. So um, it's a little bit behind the forecast, um, to be honest like the forecast can be anywhere from like six to nine months depending on your fit outs and things so there's a little bit of a slower start but i guess like you just touched on there what gets you through it is knowing what your end goal is mm. so knowing what you want to be doing in five years time 10 years time 15 years time and having that clear why like why am i doing this why do i get into this and knowing that you're not just going to come in in the first one year and open the business go booming sell and retire so mm. um I said I was 27 when I opened the business, so I'd like to think I was still fairly young. Mm. So I had a bit of time on my side to push
0: through. Yes. Awesome. All right. Cool. And then run us through those next sort of, um, you know, 10, 15 years. Was it just straight up from there or were there any big challenges along the way?
1: Yep. So what I don't recommend is getting or not getting married, but I got married the same year I opened the business. So that was was very stressful. So I opened in May 2007 and then in September, I got married. So, only a few months into the business, and then working out—you know—my honeymooning. Am I should I should I go away? What's going to happen? So, that was um that was pretty full on. And then the following year, we actually had our first child. So, the first year or two of actual business ownership, I had a lot of personal stuff going on. You um, just the way it felt, you know, whether it's good planning or poor planning. But um, again, there's always got to be challenges. So, um, yeah, once we got through that, um, the first few years were good. I started building a team. Um, So we've got a bit of a system at Vision in the fact that once your newest trainer gets around 10 or 12 hours of personal training a week, you should be looking for that next rock star. Okay, Because it can take days, weeks, months to find that next trainer. Um, And then by the time you actually find someone, there's obviously a a recruiting and a a mentoring process as well. So what can happen then is that your newest trainer can be up doing 20, 25 hours of personal training and then you're limited. You've got no space in your database because – if a client walks in and says, hey, I want to train at Monday at 6 a.m., you go, well, at the moment, all my trainers are booked out. Mm. You can potentially lose a client. So, um, yeah, the two soon went to four, soon went to six trainers, um, which was great. Let's,
0: let's spend a minute there because I think there's some important points there as well. I love what you said, how you got to start looking now because uh, in our Facebook group at Fitness Education Online, that's probably the most common question is, hey, okay. I'm flat out, <clears throat> I need a trainer, you know, where yeah. can I find a good trainer? And it's sort of like, well, at the drop of a hat, you're gone. You know, like yeah. you should have people
1: been are busy already.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, it's like if you want to, like there's, there's that lag time. If you want like those people that are making the post, it should really be, hey, what have you been doing for the last three months? Right. You should have been looking three months ago. And it's yep. almost, it is a bit hard because I guess you almost got to hire someone before you're ready to hire. Because if you don't, you're behind the eight ball. It's almost like, i got to hire someone now. I might have to take a bit of hit short term, but it's going to be better long term. Otherwise, you get to the point where you're turning business around. Um, can you give us any tips there, Blake? I guess you've already yeah. mentioned, right, you know, at this point, here you've got to start looking. Where did you start looking for people, I guess, is a, is a question.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we've got a... Um a very strong partnership or I guess affiliation with a few private colleges. Mm. Um, We're allowed to mention those or not, but colleges in Sydney that provide courses. So we go along to their recruitment days. Um, We present to the students as well. So we like to try and get them fresh. So it's, I guess Mm -hmm. they might have weeks or months left in their courses to become Cert 3 or Cert 4 qualified. But if we can put vision on their radar, then it gives us a heads up. You you, You mentioned already back in 2003, There was hardly any competition around. So these days, you know, anyone walks out of their course as a trainer, there's thousands of options, you know, like say F45, anytime, Fitness First, Crunch, you know, then they've got their own personal stuff they can do, um, you know, Joe's Backyard PT, whatever they want to do. So you've got to be on their radar early. So having those affiliations and relationships um, with the the course providers is awesome. Um, We obviously advertise through the online, you know, with Seek and um, other places, healthy people and that as well, to be able to stay on the forefront there. But um, the short of it is that we're always recruiting you know, even if I don't need a trainer, if a resume comes through to me, I'll still get in to chat with him because that could literally be my next rock star. Mm. And I think that it having people coming in every few weeks or months, whatever it is, to interview puts the pressure back on my current team. Yeah. I can guarantee they say, Who is that? I'll say, Oh, it's just someone I'm interviewing. And the next thing they start thinking, Oh, I didn't know we were looking for trainers. Is it me? Like what's what's going on? Um, so I think it just lets them know that, you know, we're always proactively looking um like i said it keeps the ball in my court that i'm never desperately hiring like you mentioned if you're mm. oh quick i need a good trainer you end up just making a decision which nine times out of ten you were regret. because i've done that yeah. i've hired trainers in despair because i've left it too late thinking yeah they'll be right i'll, I'll figure it out I'll, I'll i'll get this out of them or i'll groom them that way and it doesn't work you know you're a few weeks or a few months down the journey you think no nah, i should have um hired slow fire fast as they say so yeah
0: awesome really good points there i'll, I'll piggyback on a couple of those um, I think the key there is relationships, right? There's well, there's a few keys. There's relationships and also um getting in early as well. Because it's sort of like, yeah, if you just want to hire a good trainer now, man, that good trainer, they're, they're already at Vision or they've already got their own boot camp or they've already got their, their online thing, right? So it's 100%. sort of like you almost yep. have to train someone, you almost have to hire someone that may not be the best personal trainer at the moment, but it's your job as the owner to get them to that point there. You want to hire someone that you can see potential in and be like, all right, right. this You know, It's and I think it's almost yep. like like any job, right? It's like if you're going to open up an ice cream parlor, you can't, you're just going to hire someone and expect that they're going to be the best ice cream maker straight away. You got to train them up, you know, at McDonald's. They hire someone at McDonald's. They train them yep. freaking yep. up. You don't Definitely. know how to do this stuff beforehand, you know, like the fitness industry yep. is the same there. And then I think- yeah, They're the- 14. They don't
1: know what they're doing, but-
0: <laughs> Exactly, you know. Um, and I think relationships is the key. Obviously vision has an advantage because like they've got a, you know, a big network and a lot of relationships or whatever, but even if you are a a smaller operator, there's still options there, you know, see what you can do with it, with the colleges. Maybe they're not affiliated with a certain gym or maybe it's not even the, um, maybe it's not even the colleges, you know, maybe it's whatever, you know, CEC course providers, maybe it's, you know, other gyms that are a bit different. Like there's, maybe it's schools, you know, like there's, there's always options, but relationships yep. is the key there you know and even just even just I feel if you're in the industry the more sort of trainers you know then you've got options it's like as Blake mentioned earlier it's like right now I need to hire cool if I've had 10 resumes after the last 10 months cool here's 10 people that I can actually reach out to I'm not just going cold so I think there's some key points there yeah um, but yeah continue on sorry Blake so then you grew your team how, how big did it grow Let's take a quick break.
1: Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? I've had seven trainers plus myself, so eight of us all up. I still, to this day, do about 15 hours a week of personal training. I, I love training. I love being on the floor with people. That's where the energy is. That's where the excitement is. So, um, well, like I said, the uh, the seven other trainers are more of the full-time role. You know, they do 20, 25, 35 hours a week of training. So, so things rolled along nicely in there. Like I said, we are um, over in North Ride, and then it came to my 10-year anniversary Um which was interesting. We had um, a bit of a, a change of premise um, with the lease and things. So I had a 10-year lease running there. Um, mm-hmm. Got to the end of that 10-year lease and thought now is a good time to look at moving. Um, and that was all agreed upon with the old um, landlord as well. They weren't looking to renew and um, what they wanted from me was a little bit ridiculous. So I thought, you know what, 10 years in, let's get some new walls around us and move the studio. So that was an absolute nightmare. That was 2017 um i did that so again here we are october will be four years i've been in this new site now um but yeah it's, it was an absolute nightmare to be honest trying to move the business it's been established for 10 years you know we had 200 odd clients um the team well, of trainers well, like well, when do i tell them that we're moving the business so that they don't freak out and,
0: was it close enough the two locations that it could be same members same clients or not quite
1: yeah yeah, it's oh. literally 1.1 1. 1 kilometres away from each other. Yeah, yeah. So oh. there, is a, there was a suburb change from North Ride to Macquarie Park just because of the, the borderline, and I saw it as a, a fresh start. But, yeah, from um, building to building, it's literally 1.1 1. 1 kilometres. So it was um, – yeah, no, it was there's still some people use it as an opportunity to say, oh, you know what, well, that's too far away now or, yeah. you know, whatever, but um, that, that was I a was testing there'd, time. There'd, but like I said – people that
0: would have cancelled anyway, right?
1: Yeah, I think this, you just give them the excuse to, okay, yeah, now I'll go. It was probably already on their mind for whatever reasons, whether it was a, a service or they just weren't getting what they wanted out of it. But, yeah, as soon as you give them a little bit of a flag to wave, yeah, I think some people do that. So
0: Awesome. All right. So, so that was fun.
1: But, yeah, so four years here.
0: Let's give us your, your top three, Blake. Let's say someone's just starting off, they open opened their studio one or two years. What are the top three things you think that trainer or that business owner needs to do? to be successful and to be around for the next 20 years?
1: Yep. They need to get known in the community, okay, Mm -hmm. literally. So as an owner, like, um, you know, I've visited other vision owners um, and I can be walking up the street from their studio with them and just about every business owner that they walk past will yell out, hi, Dave, hey, Dave, hey, Dave, you know, whether it's the baker, the news agency, the chemist. So I'm just walking along beside them going, Clearly, you've got a great reputation in this community. So whether that is you going out yourself, um, whether it is sponsoring people, just just being aware or making people aware. You know, I've always said I'd love to know that ten people walk down my um, Waterloo Road here, where I am, from the the train station. I want to know that eight or nine of them at least know that oh, your vision's here, even if they don't train with me. I just want them to know and recognise that red vision flag. So, um, but I think yeah, definitely get out and about. Make sure you know people know who you are, where you're at. And yeah, like I said earlier about the um, recruitment, it's all about that relationships. So the more people you can know, find networking groups, um, that's probably the biggest thing. And like I'd say get, get some good trainers around you because you, you as an owner, you're probably an amazing trainer, but if you want to own and run the business, you shouldn't be doing too much personal training. You know, you need to get that, that team of trainers behind you. So um, just touching what you were said earlier, I'm a big believer in higher on attitude, not on skill um like i said you know you can't change someone's attitude i can train someone up to be the best personal trainer in the world hopefully with my experience but if they're just not into it or they're not connected or genuine or caring or all those attitude kind of things you know it's it's very hard to change that so that's why we do tend to look for i guess fresh trainers out of their courses um so we can kind of groom them into the the vision way so relationships biggest thing i think in the area. Second thing I think for new owners, have that five-year and ten-year game plan. It might look dark and grim in those first few weeks or months or even the first year or two, especially if we look out at the moment with what's going on with the lockdown and things. Um, But, yeah, if you can have that, this is why I'm doing it and this is what I'm expected to go through this because in three years' time I'll be here or five years' time I'll be here. And just make sure you're constantly showing yourself or reading those goals um, as soon as you take your eyes off the prize and you're looking at the now and thinking, oh, it's too hard, I'm not going to make rent this month or, you know, we didn't get 10 new clients this week, we only got six, uh, it can seem like you're, you're digging a bit of a hole. Um, I think the third one, I guess a little bit like I said about the community relationships, but just relationships with people in the industry as well. Like I said, I was fortunate enough that there was 10 other franchise I was already open for me as a vision owner. Um, so I was able to go and chat with them and say, what, what happened when this Um, occurred you know that's my biggest thing i love about franchise Mm. is that no matter what i'm going through or what i will go through i guarantee one of the other 56 studios Mm. has gone through it as well so a simple message hey guys a trainer just did this or i just had a client do that or my business did this within you know an hour or something I, i guarantee someone else within the industry will come back to me and say hey i've been through it this is what i did so yeah having that relationship both within your own industry as well as the community Probably my three biggest tips, I'd say.
0: Love that. Yeah, I, I used to be a part of a, fran- a boot camp franchise when I started off, and best thing ever for that same reason. And it was a niched one as well, so it was an outdoor boot camp focused on training women with about sixty different locations. And like, okay. I, I took it for granted back in the time. Nice. You know? I was like, ah, it's a Facebook group, whatever, you know. But now, now I see I had that opportunity yep. that other trainers don't. Other trainers that go out and start their own boot camp and are just sort of out there on their own. They just don't have the, um, the support that I had back then. So I think that's, that's huge. And I think even like anyone that wants to get into, one yep. thing I like about vision is their systems where it's sort of like, all right, cool. You can start off as a trainer here. Look, it may not be the most lucrative at the start, you know, to be a trainer, but here's the progression. You know, you can progress to be a manager and then yep. he can progress to go and open your own studio. And then he can progress to maybe own two different studios, you know, and then there you're usually good in the, the system. But even if for whatever right. reason you're not and you go out and, and start your own for whatever reason, you've got those re- – you've sort of been eased into running your own business because you've had all that support along the way, which I think is a, a good system. Um, but, hey, I want to be yep. sensitive of your time, Blake. There's just a few questions i like to finish off with. Um, it's around me- – or well, one question. It's around mentors. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been. If you can break it down into three different ways, a, um, a paid mentor – so someone that you've paid money to, you've done their co- their course or their um, coaching or whatever it is, an unpaid mentor. So someone yep. that you haven't paid money to, but maybe, maybe it's someone at Vision or it might be someone you follow on social media. And then a book that you recommend every yep. uh, personal trainer should read if they want to be successful in the industry.
1: Easy. All right. So uh, paid mentor. So there was a a gentleman in the Vision Network. Um, He's no longer in the network, but he at one stage owned five franchises. Um, He won franchise of the year with one of his businesses. And then he actually, whilst he was still running Vision, he opened up a bit of business coaching um, on the side. So um, I'd go and visit with him every week. And the accountability it was huge. That's, that's the biggest thing I thrive on. You know, if I'm left to my own accord, sometimes I'll just I'll do that whenever. But um, I still remember one night, you know, I, I love reading, so I'll get to the book thing. But I remember one night before I was meant to catch up with him for our weekly meeting, I rang him and said, mate, I'm, I'm falling short. There's no way I can read those 80 pages. I've got about 40 pages to go. I'm not going to get it done. And all he said was, there's 11 and a half hours until we meet you'll get it done. And he hung up on me. So, and I got it done, you know, just having that bit of pressure, same as the way personal training works. It's all about accountability. So, um, he was huge and he understood vision. I have looked elsewhere at external coaches, business coaches, but you know, we've got our own lingo in here with ICs and GSs and all these acronyms within a business as they all do. So for someone within my um, own network to really understand the nuts and bolts was awesome. So that'd be him. I was with him for a couple of years. Um, Unpaid mentor, I was at the rest of the Vision Network. You know, there's always people there I talk to, but I'd probably have to say my grandfather. Um, my grandfather was a very successful businessman um, through his life and up until the day he passed, still active with companies and things. And um, he, he was a huge support uh, and a good sounding board. Um, obviously, things were done differently back in the 40s and 50s when he opened his business, but the general principles of how to treat staff and what to look out for and least. Negotiations, that kind of stuff. You know, he was still very active with that up until his 90s. Um, So he he was really, really good. And sometimes you need that person outside of your industry or your vision um, to be able to talk to um, as well. So he was uh, definitely a a great sounding board for me. Um, And then the number one book I would say, especially if you're looking to go from a trainer into your own business, is The E Myth. by Michael Gerber. It's huge, you know. So that all about, yeah, how to become an entrepreneur, get off the tools, um, you know, get in that helicopter, looking over your business instead of being in your business. Um, It was huge. And that's funny enough, that's the the very first book that Andrew Simmons gives you when you say, I want to buy a franchise. or you know, what's my next step? It's like, read this and start getting your mind ready. Um, And as you're probably aware of those that have read the book, the first few pages goes on to say how 90% of small businesses crash and burn in the first five years. And if they get through that, 90% of those businesses that last the next five years then crash and burn. And that's an American statistic, but it's probably not too far off with the Australian numbers as well. So it's a little bit of scare tactic maybe, but again, like I said, sitting here, what, 14 years um, with the business now, we've managed to get through that. So it's, it's a really good book, a really hard mind shift going from train and train and train and being hands-on to then letting someone else get on the tools and use supervising. So yeah, the e-myth
0: for sure. Yes, I'm a huge fan of that book myself. That changed my life reading that. And even um, it's good because I think the examples they use are like a lady in a cupcake store or something, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: yeah. sort of like you read it as a trainer and
1: you're like... Sarah's Cupcakes, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you read it as a trainer and you're like, hold on, it's the same. Whether you're a mechanic or whether you're a trainer or whether you're a you know yeah. a, a muffin baker, you know, these systems are the same. Uh, I'm just curious, can you give us one more book as well? Just because I, I, you mentioned you were a reader earlier. And yep. if you mention one of these books, it can also bring back to an earlier point as well. So I'm just curious, if you had to give us one more book, what would you say?
1: That's a very easy one. I would say Who Moved My Cheese? Okay. So it's been an interesting one, but it's all about adapting to change. Um, so, again, my, my personality, I'm an SI, personality profile, so steady, influential. Um, and steady people don't like change too often. Now, with the way the industry's been, like I said, 18 years almost in the industry, there's been a million changes and will forever change as we evolve. So I had to get used to changing. So, yeah, Who Moved My Cheese? I think it's by Spencer Johnson, Spencer someone. Um, Quick little book, really easy. Um, That's a good one. Or I could throw another one in there. Any of the One Minute Manager series, Mm. Um, there's quite a few of those One Minute Manager books they're really good um, for just getting to, you know, once you do get into that management position, how to deal with people, have those meetings on the fly, all that kind of stuff.
0: And all these books were sort of first released 80s and 90s, right?
1: Yeah, some of them are quite old, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's, like that's the, the
1: Think point. and Grow Rich and stuff like that.
0: Well, that's what I was hoping you were going to mention as well because there's some yep. like a lot of those books, especially the Think and Grow Rich, the How to Win Friends, they're literally 100 years old. And when you mentioned your grandfather and some of the principles are the same, that's an important thing as well. Obviously, now there's social media and there's a lot of new things that you need to know the the, the technical side too. But yep. in terms of the principles, like a hundred years ago, you know, 20 years ago, like the principles of people are still the same. It's just how can we implement it in a new new technology? So I think that's that's important there. Yeah, um, sure. But hey Blake, that's pretty much all I wanted to to get through today. Uh, you're down there at, um, so Macquarie Park it is officially, right? Yep,
1: Macquarie Park now, yep.
0: Awesome, cool. So if you're listening to this and you're a, a trainer, probably a newer trainer of the industry, you, you like um, what Blake had to say, feel free to drop in and see him at Macquarie Park. If you're from that area, Macquarie Park, North Ride, maybe you don't want to train there, but maybe you've got some friends or family that want to be there as members or trainers or whatever, um, you know, pass them on to Blake. Blake, is there anything you want to finish us off with or is there anything i should have asked but i forgot to, to ask you
1: Man no all pretty thorough like i said it's um amazing being able to chat and reflect on what has been an awesome time in the industry and like i said hopefully i get a, a few people get a few things out of today no matter where they're at on their own journey but it's a very very rewarding career um and like i said just keep your eyes on the prize and you'll get to where it is you want to go so it's been very good johnny very good
0: beautiful thanks for your time blake
1: thank you guys take care
0: Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionised their business with Mealzy. Visit our website at www.mealzy.com and sign up today. Mealzy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.